Good morning, everyone. This is Austin Jardine. Welcome to the Vanguard Project. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Uh, this show is all about talking to folks out there living their passions, sharing their stories and struggles, and hoping to get you all excited about something new or motivating you two to get after a life worth living. Uh, on the phone with me, I've actually got Mr. Vic Lopez, the director, head honcho, and main trainer over at Sierra Element Training in California. Dude, Vic, I appreciate your time to hop on the phone and talk about your experiences, your business, uh, your operation you've got down there, and uh, Really just hoping to get your story. So if you don't mind, you know, rather than me trying to summarize who you are, just kicking off with the introduction and uh, what Sierra Element is. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to deal with anyone who's trying to make the industry better. So I appreciate that and uh, giving me this opportunity. Uh, so uh, again, Victor Lopez, I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps as a scout sniper, both active and uh, reserve. Majority of my time was in the reserves. I, I got activated several times going to Iraq and Afghanistan <clears throat> as a scout sniper operator and then also as an advisor instructing some of the um, some of the Afghans and then some of our Southeast Asian uh, allies in uh, sniper operations. And then I've been doing double duty, also serving as a police officer with the Los Angeles Police Department for 22 years, uh, worked patrol, gangs, spent most of my time in counterterrorism, working uh, surveillance. And then uh, I'm currently assigned as a patrol rifle tactical shotgun instructor. And then i um, also doing the Sierra Element Tactical Firearms Training, and I started that in 2012. That's awesome, man. So what made you want to go into the Marine Corps? So my dad was a uh, Marine in Vietnam. So, um, you know, I, I believe I was probably eight years old, and he had his little, some little briefcase, and I went in there, and I saw it in the garage, and I started looking at all the cool pictures. And um, that's just some something that motivated me. You know, uh, initially, I wanted to, uh, actually wanted to be a Green Beret. I wanted to go down that route. Yeah. You know, just all the movies, especially John Rambo. I wanted to be like Rambo. <laughs> My dad played a little trick on me and he said, hey, uh, I don't mind you going to uh, the army. Just don't go to the Marine Corps. It's way too hardcore for you. And I was, How dare you? Reverse psychology. Yeah, he got me good. So uh, while I wasn't a Green Beret, I was able to do some uh, pretty cool things in the Marine Corps. Towards the end of my tour, they started uh, kind of picking up the job of uh, the foreign in, in uh, the foreign uh, advisor and instructor programs that uh, the Marine Corps started to do. And uh, so I was getting a little taste of kind of like their their assignment, and I really enjoyed that. So my hats off to those guys. It's it's a uh, it's a difficult job, especially training people with well through an interpreter. So hats off to them. Yeah. So when you uh, when you say the scout sniper, right? I I have a sexy idea of what snipers are, right? I've done long range shooting for a while. I've met you know several folks that have been a sniper in some capacity. I, I don't necessarily fully know what all a sniper is and does. Do you mind kind of explaining? how you came to want to be a scout sniper and what that pipeline looked like. And ultimately, you know, to whatever extent you feel comfortable that you, that you did do. Right. So, um, so the job of a scout sniper, keep it in layman terms, you are the essentially the reconnaissance eyes and ears of a battalion. So all the infantry battalions, you are their intelligence gathering source. 
and then also um, providing precision fire on targets if needed. So uh, that is the essentially, in a nutshell, the primary mission, you know, to engage targets from concealed positions, and then also as a uh, intelligence gathering or just a combination of both. So, okay. Did you always know that that was the route you wanted to go or did you come across um, that later on in life? Yeah, I, I started to, towards my first year, first couple years in the Marine Corps, I knew that uh, this, uh, the grunt life was not for me. I was not going to sit on my pack and I had a chance to do, um, I was an alternate in uh, the Marine Corps competition called Super Squad. And we got to do a lot of cool training. And I just said to myself, I go, I can't believe how much training I've done in a whole two week period that I would have never been able to do just as a regular grunt. And I said, there's got to be something else out there. And when I was in the process to get hired as a police officer, I found out there was a scout sniper platoon reserve in the Valley of Los Angeles. So I just did some research, found out when the INDOC was going to be. And I got out uh, September 25th and the INDOC was September 26th. So I (laughs) never left the Marine Corps. No rest for the wicked. No, none. So yeah, it was, um, you know, the tryouts were, you know, fairly intense. It was only two days, but uh, yeah, there's uh, people that bowed out within like six hours. So yeah. What was it that kept you going? Oh, I just don't give up on things in general. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just me. Yeah. I was just like, you know, I was just not going to quit. That wasn't even an option, yeah. even though like I'll just pass out. I'm just not going to quit this. <laughs> it's like running, you know, you won't die. You'll pass out first. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, man. So getting into, uh, you know, Scout Sniper, what was the most rewarding thing for you? Was it was it having earned that? Did you perform a function that you're like, man, I never thought that I was capable of doing this? Well, at school, that like, say the vast majority of people that fail are for stalking because it requires a lot of patience and some guys just don't have it. Okay. And, um, so me able, me being able to get through that, I never thought I would be able to get through that initially. When I first got the platoon, you don't think you're like, how is this possible? How am I able to shoot two blank shots? Well, one blank shot with someone observing me and, uh, and a, um, kind of a, a landmark of the distance I am away from the walker Mm -hmm. or the guide. So, um, that to me, I thought was pretty awesome, but like really being able to, once I became a scout sniper and stayed for so many years, I was able to train several, uh, Marine scout snipers and under my watch, zero people failed. So that, that was a pretty cool thing for me to watch someone who had no idea what they're doing to now be scout snipers. And then scout sniper team leaders. I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. So can you give, uh, you know, for folks that maybe don't know what stalking is, the the definition of stalking as far as how the Marine Corps defines it? Uh, So in a ghillie suit, you're trying to close with onto a target, enemy, threat, whatever you want to call it, and uh, just move undetected. So you would like to get within 200 meters or 200 yards. That's how. Uh, we used to do it. And then you have to fire a blank shot from a concealed position on a, a vehicle where the instructors were observing. So the entire time you're under observation from 800 yards up to 200 yards, the whole time you're under observation, just trying to become undetected. And then once you take a blank shot, a walker, another instructor would come, come over and give you within 10, he would say. 
So he's in 10 feet of you. And then you'd have to take another blank shot while you're under observation in that, in that 10, uh, 10 foot area. <clears throat> then after that, the instructors would uh, hold up a card and then you have to identify it. So it's not like you were just taking a blank shot into space. So you could identify what you're actually aiming at. Then they check your dope, uh, meaning your, uh, your data on your rifle, and then actually come down and then touch you. And then if the instructors didn't touch you or didn't, um, didn't observe, then you get 100%. So it's pretty awesome feeling. Just that alone, you just feel like a ninja right after that. <laughs> I have no idea how this happened. Man, that's cool. All right. So then uh, you said that you tried to, or I guess didn't try, you were working on getting into uh, the police force during, was it during your transition from active duty into the reserves? And then you started to go the yeah. scout sniper out? Okay. Yeah, as soon as I was in the process with LAPD, and then um, I didn't get hired for some time. So I had already went into the reserves because it's a long process to become a police officer. People think it's going to be like a couple month thing. And, you know, unfortunately, but fortunately, it took me about 14 months. And that's only because I was on active duty still and I couldn't go to some of the appointments. So every two weeks, it seemed like pushed it back another month I was missing. So, And then my records were in Indiana because that's where I'm originally from. So, yeah. So it took me about 14 months to get hired. So that's nuts. So let's talk, let's talk about that then. Why, why, A, did you want to be a police officer, right? After coming out of active duty and in the reserves and then specifically LAPD. Okay. So again, I'm going to blame this all on my dad. Oh Uh, man. Okay. Bad influence. Yeah. Bad influence. My dad (laughs) officer as well. So uh, he was a police officer in Gary, Indiana. If you've ever heard of that place, it's uh, the birthplace of Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And also a former murder capital of the United States at one point in the 90s. So yeah, it has a pretty violent place. I just watching him come home as a, you know, a child. I just saw the uniform. I just listened to stories and it sounded pretty exciting. And just watching, you know, all the 90s TV shows, Miami Vice, Hunter, all those. I wanted to be a police officer. I, w- I wanted to do that. So, and then... Picking Los Angeles Police Department. This happened in 1997. So I'm in the chow hall getting my food. Uh, I look up on the screen and the North Hollywood shootout's happening. So I put my tray down and I could not stop watching it. And I go, that's where I want to go. So ironically, one of the officers that was shot is now my supervisor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. For the patrol rifle program, which ironically was created because of the North Hollywood shootout. So it's pretty cool how all those things are intertwined. So then the, the motivation behind all of that was, was it more of a, a sense of purpose that, that led you or just to be in, in the fight more or less? Yeah, it, it just, uh, I mean, being a police officer, you're going to get action anywhere you go. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter, especially nowadays, if you wear a badge, you are going to be a target and not that I'm looking to be a target, but, um, uh, you're going to, you know, you could do one year, like in one of the, the busier divisions in Los Angeles and have more experience than some police officers have in their entire career. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did quite a bit, you know, just as, you know, my first year where I worked in uh, South Los Angeles. That's not So my wife works in law enforcement. I don't know if you knew that, but she works here in town. Yep. So her process was actually not quite 14 months, right? So can you talk about why, you know, the process in Los Angeles takes so long, what they're looking for, or maybe not necessarily going down like their tactics for hiring, 
but why it would take so long? So third largest police department in the country. So at the time, people were flocking to be police officers in the, um, the late 90s. So, you know, they're going through, I believe, 10,000 applicants a year. So 10,000 applicants, I mean, they have to, there's a whole process of screening down, like, say, so one of the things was, I remember having to show up to meetings. And if you didn't show up to these meetings, it was kind of like initial orientation. Yeah, you were kind of out of the process. So yeah, it's just, uh, you know, the movies and TV have uh, sensationalized Los Angeles, and especially the police department. I mean, you can't find a TV show on primetime that isn't about law enforcement and then especially Los Angeles. So, um, yeah, it was a, a process. They have to screen down a lot of people and have to go through a lot of applicants. So between that and then me being out of state, my record's taking a while. And then be an active duty because I had to push those appointments. I'm sure that's the reason why. Once you get hired on into the police department, are there quite a different or quite a few opportunities that you can take advantage of? Like, let's say you wanted to become detective or counterterror specifically. <laughs> How does that work? So, um, you know, every department has their their ways of doing things. Um, you have to do one year on probation. Uh, meaning on training, so supervised really by a training officer, and that's in patrol. Then uh, you can go on to other units, but uh, generally speaking, uh, most of the time, it's about two years on patrol and three years on the job total. So um, detective, there's all a testing process for that, SWAT, counterterrorism. <clears throat> so kind of how LAPD works is uh, we have training officers, that's two stripers, so you can either be a training officer working in patrol, but the rank is police officer three. So if you're not a training officer, then you're police officer three working another assignment. And a lot of these assignments at the time were only taking police officer threes. And it's a uh, it's an interview, generally a lot of candidates, and um, they kind of look through your background and see if you have what it takes. And then, yeah, then uh, you, if you get selected, then you're in. And there's like a little um, unspoken probation. It's usually six months if you can do the job. And uh, if you can't, then you go back to where you came from. Okay. So I know as, you know, especially where you're at, right, in Los Angeles, you deal with a lot of craziness. Um, if there's somebody that's trying to become a police officer and they're worried about, you know, the things that they've got to bring home, right, like the mental side of it, do you have any advice for people that are like, hey, I would like to be a police officer, but you know, how do, how do you cope with the stress and the shit that goes on? To be plain and simple, just don't take anything personal. Mm -hmm. Don't take anything personal. Like the job isn't for everyone. I, I, I've heard people say, oh, I could never do that job. If I dealt with some type of criminal, um, you know, I just hit them. I would do this. And I'm like, actually, you wouldn't do that because you would go to jail. So, <laughs> and then you'll be right next to this guy that you're putting away. So, realistically, don't just take everything personal. It's just a job. It's an important job. Just don't let it affect you that way. And that's easier said than done. But that's the only way I, I was able to uh, look at it. Like if someone's trying to get away from me, someone's lying to me, it's it's not personal. It's just what they do. Yeah. Okay. So what are you doing now for LAPD? I think that you mentioned you were working on tactical patrol. Did you say you were a shotgun instructor now? I am a patrol rifle and tactical shotgun instructor. Tactical shotgun. Okay. So what does that mean and how did you get? There? So uh, the department was a backtrack. So a patrol rifle, tactical slug shotgun. So the AR-15, you have to go to a school 
It's a five-day school. And then there's an instructor school if you want to go on through that. And then we have a, a slug shotgun program, which is uh, the Benelli shotgun or the Remington 870. So that there's a school for that as well. So um, when the department was restructuring their personnel, there was an opportunity. Uh, they were going to send some of our uh, officers back to patrol. And um, I had always wanted to be an instructor up at the rifle range because it's a pretty prestigious job. So I applied for it. I got it. And uh, now I'm up teaching patrol rifle and slug shotgun full-time now. Okay. So it was more of a, it was a, a volunteer qualification that got you to where you're at. Did. Okay. Okay. Why, uh, why do you feel like you've always wanted to be an instructor? So I actually was able to have some really good instructors in my time in the Marine Corps. And it really helped me throughout my career and just life teaching me things. And it kind of lifted me up. And then you saw some that weren't as good. And you learn from that guy and you're like, I don't want to be like that guy because it's funny when you go to the classes, you'll, you'll find a guy like that. And it's funny, like on breaks, everybody's talking about that guy. Right. So I just wanted to give back. I think it's an awesome thing that you can share knowledge with someone and lift them up. So it's something I always wanted to do. And plus it's uh, the patrol rifle. It's, it's fun shooting little bit distance well distance for police officers and then teaching them the tactics and it's things that I've been doing since I was 19 years old so it's almost second nature like I should be doing this yeah so do you feel like that all of that experience up until now has has lent itself into what Sierra element is oh absolutely uh, I've taken all those things both from the Marine Corps police department and just like childhood you know, through my father teaching me things. Um, and I try to give back all those things that I was taught to my students. Okay. So let's, uh, let's talk about how Sierra element came to be. Was it just a, was it a drunken night one night and you're like, <laughs> Oh, this is it. I got to do this. Or were you, was this something you've wanted to do for quite some time? The first idea I ever thought of actually being an instructor too. I, when I was talking about being in super squad, the, uh, the warrant officer said, Hey, I want you to just go and develop a pistol course. And I'm like, I'm 20 years old. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I've only probably fired pistol about 10 times. Like, so I just made up this course and he goes, Hey, that's pretty cool. And he said, why don't you run everyone else through? And I ran everyone through and they're like, Hey, that's pretty cool because you really don't fire pistol all that much as a uh, rifleman, yeah. very people actually qualified because it's just not the weapon that you would carry. Your primary weapon is the rifle. So um, that's the first time I was like, wow, this was a good time. I go, this is something I could do. And that was in 19, probably 1997 or 1996, right around there is when I first decided like I wanted to be an instructor. Then I went to several instructor schools throughout the Marine Corps and uh, before I went to uh, Iraq, we were doing some workups and our team got inserted during training. We were going to be um, like opposition force for sniper school, helping out so the students could have something to report on. As our platoon got inserted five minutes into it, mind you, this is about four o'clock. So it's still kind of light out. A seven ton truck carrying a, uh, a water buffalo in trail, goes off a cliff right in front of us and went down, rescued those guys, pulled them to safety. And from there, I said, wow, I can't, I'm really shocked that all the training that I had learned 
just the basic lifesaver course helped save these two guys' lives. Um, so my team and I were able to extract those guys. They lived. And then I said to myself, I need to go get some, uh, some more medical training. So uh, battalion commander allowed us to go like a law enforcement style tactical medic course. So I went to a tactical medic course and befriended the instructor, came and gave our platoon some additional training before we went to Iraq. And when I came back from Iraq in 03, he asked me if I wanted to be an instructor teaching the tactical portion of the TAC medic course. So I started working with that company for about four years. And then I realized it was time for me to uh, move on and do something of my own. So in 2012, I created Sierra Element. Okay. And the Sierra Elements, its purpose, you know, from what I've gathered is, is very much education and tactical education. Do you guys do a lot of the, uh, I guess, these uh, self-medicine, TAC med stuff as well? Yes, we do. So like uh, some of the things I'm an instructor for, the ones that I'm not, I'm, I step back and I have some of my instructors teach it. So um, I'm always a secondary on things that I'm not an instructor for. And that's just how I operate. I know there's some companies out there like, I'm an instructor for everything. I'm like, where are your certs? Don't have any. Okay. So uh, I've seen that quite a bit. So that's just kind of how I operate. So uh, that and the self-defense portion, we do some knife fighting stuff as well. Okay. If uh, you've got somebody looking to come train or maybe they can't make it down, you know, you, you mentioned certifications, right? What, what types of certs should somebody look for to get good training? Because we've talked about a little bit, right? Some, some, some trainers might not be the best. How can you go help identify, I guess, the good from the bad, in your opinion? Oh, man. That's, That's kind of a loaded question. That is absolutely loaded. So um, everyone is so like, uh, let's pick, I won't say any special operations, but let's pick a special operations, anyone. So these guys would be like, oh my God, this is great. He does this, he does that. And it's like, are you focusing on the fact that he was a special operator or the fact that he instructs well? And I've seen that and the guy just wasn't a good instructor. And it's all about like, look at how fast I can shoot. Well, that's fine that you shoot that way. Why don't you show me how to do that? Because that's what I came to do. So, to break it down. Absolutely. And, uh, and sometimes it's just like, hey, I'm here to make money. So I'll just stack up the line and I'll tell you a few cool stories. And hopefully that'll get me to the next class. And so really, it's you're going to have to see for yourself. I mean, you can look at the bio and that's only going to give you, you know, face value. You're going to need to go in and check it out for yourself. And essentially, it's a risk that you'll have to take. You could ask other people. That's that's another method. But like, if I tell tell people someone did 10, 15 years ago, what are they doing now to help you? Yeah. That's what I look at. So, okay. and then really, how do you know that person? Yes, he was doing this cool things. But how do you know he was even any good at it? He could have just <laughs> good at PT and he's just there. Okay. So that's, so that's just how I break it down because I've learned from people that were reserve air force guys doing uh, military police, but they're instructors at these schools and they're fairly young, but they're pretty damn good shooters. And they're able to break down every single detail to help you become a better shooter. Yeah. So let's talk about how you guys, uh, how you guys focus on training. 
what are your the principles that you guys focus on as Sierra Element that, that would be beneficial for somebody to be aware of? So, uh, I mean, we break everything down. So we explain, we demonstrate, and then we have you guys do it. We have everyone do it dry before we go in. So a crawl, walk, run phase, and then eventually sprint. Because um, I've been to classes like, you know, some law enforcement agencies, law enforcement in general, sometimes it's only crawl and walk. They never really teach you how to run and they're definitely not going to teach you how to sprint. So we're trying to get you to that point for you to sprint. Now, if you can't sprint that fast, back it off and you're just going to have to run. So that's kind of our approach. We're trying to get you to the highest level you can possibly achieve truly in one eight hour class. And that's, that's kind of ambitious, but we're trying to push you to that level and then if you can't obtain it in that time frame, we just back you off and you just work at what you're comfortable at. I like it. Eight hours. That's a lot to do in eight hours. You know, I've been to a couple classes and some of them have been two days and you just sit there and you're like, I'm inundated with information and trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to apply it. So that's cool. Have you had any, you know, troubles getting Sierra Element started? I feel like there's a, a I don't know if the market is necessarily saturated with, with training opportunities. You know, did you have a, a hard time breaking into it and saying, hey, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. This is why we're awesome. I'd like to say no, but yes, <laughs> it's saturated because it's people think that I can go to the NRA, get a certification. I'm competent enough to use a gun. I should now be an instructor. While that's a good idea to start with, you kind of need more than that. Yeah, it took us a while. I would say close to three years, but I wasn't hardcore on social media pumping away at it and the advertisement. I had a website. It started word of mouth initially. I had a, uh, a contract with some Air Force uh, personnel, and that's kind of our first class. That's kind of how we we got going. But uh, I don't even, in my opinion, I we still haven't made it. It's just, it's continuous. So if there's somebody that's out there trying to start a business too, not a, not even just with the training aspect of it, you said that you didn't hit the social media part, side of it very hard. Do you feel like that would be a good place for somebody to focus on to, to help them take that next step? Yeah. And I would say, cause it's essentially free advertising. So that's getting your name out and uh, you know, that's, it's worldwide and, it doesn't really cost you anything. It just costs you your time. Um, so initially, yeah, any business, I would hop on social media. I, there's a couple friends of mine that were anti, like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get government contracts, and that's fine if you can do it like that. But you got to need need to have someone who's in the faces on um, this contracting network to make this happen. And in the meantime you could be doing other classes by advertising on social media. So whatever it is, uh, whatever company, I would start advertising on social media along with my, my website. Throughout that whole process, is there a specific type of grit that, or a thing that you've learned along the way that you're like, man, this, if I didn't know this thing or have this skill, I wouldn't have made it this far. So everyone would like to do, to think that they can do things on their own. I say business, just in my my limited experience, it is a team effort. So you are an instructor. All right. You have to have a weapon. Let's say, let, let's say we're talking about firearms. You're going to need to have a weapon. You need to have ammunition. You need to have a, a range. Okay. You need those things. So you need to start 
establishing relationships with people. Because while you're not looking for free things, if someone can help you out at the same time you're helping them out, cross promotions, those things help. So collaborating with different manufacturers, uh, different companies truly helped me out. And it took me a while, I would say close to four years before I was able to essentially let my guard down and start working with other people. And that helped lift me up because I, and, and them at the same time. So collaborating with other people, not so much meaning, Hey, we're going to do this together, but Hey, if I can do this for you to help you, can you do that for me? Okay. So when you say let your guard down, is that going back to the trust conversation and saying, Hey, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to put my name out there for you and work with you or is letting your guard down something else? Um, yeah. So you're essentially vouching for somebody else, which, you know, if that relationship falls through and they do something to, you know, to taint that relationship, that kind of looks bad on you. So yeah, but there is some risk factor in anything in business. So um, yeah, that that's, if I were, I wish I would have done that sooner, probably would have helped me out but I'm kind of happy where things are right now. And we're just looking to, uh, you know, continue to evolve and move forward. Yeah. Do you have a, a good idea as to what your next evolution is for Sierra, Sierra Element? So uh, 2017, we started doing uh, rough terrain style courses. So um, alternate shooting positions, targets at different distances under, under stress. So, and compressed time. So our biggest one is uh, patrol rifle, scoped carbine courses. So essentially designated marksman, AR-15 with a scope, scope on it. So uh, those have been doing really well. And we're going to continue to do more of the rough terrain. We have rough terrain pistol, rough terrain patrol rifle. And the one that's starting to take off is our uh, UTV UTV scoped carbine. So that's kind of taken some skills that I learned over the years and then incorporated into a vehicle. Um, so yeah, that's what we're looking for, for the future. Yeah. That sounds like fun. That sounds like it'd be very helpful, like in the hunting world, <laughs> yeah. the rough terrains portion. Um, that's awesome. Have you, uh, I guess, are you trying to target a specific audience? Or are you saying, Hey, women, new shooters, just military. Are you trying to get everybody out here and shooting? Any law-abiding, gun-owning citizen, I would love for them to come. It's not specific to military. It's not specific to law enforcement. And that's kind of like what we started with. And then I realized, like, that's a small niche. And I have a lot of friends that want to shoot. And they have friends that want to shoot. Might as well include everybody. I like it. Yeah, I want to get down and, and shoot with you guys. I've been following That'd you guys great. on the gram for a little while. I, I don't know if you can see, I've got my rifle without my scope in the back. I'd love to yeah. make my way back down to California. So so kind of what sets us apart. I mean, a lot of companies say, hey, look, my company's different. Essentially, we're all the same. When you're When you have a special assignment, you all have that tenacity, that drive. You have the experience. You have the creds. But what's going to set you apart is, one, your experience, two, how you display the information. And then the third one is it's not just about one individual, at least at Siri Element. It's all my instructors have all been vetted and they're all friends of mine. It's just not like I hire somebody like, hey, I got a contract. I'm going to hire this. So it took a long time to to establish these relationships with these these guys. So 
Uh, it's not just about my experience, it's about the whole team's experience and what they can bring to the table. Yeah, we, we really uh, pride ourselves on that and just, uh, you know, just being personal and respectful to people. You know, we get guys sometimes that they try to, we call them hijacking the course and they want to tell you how much information they know. I let people go with that, okay? But it's only going to go so far, all right? So being respectful to your students, listening to how they respond to the information that you're giving. So I could tell people, hey, I need two thumbs forward on a pistol. You're a right-hander on the left side. And then you're going to crush down on your grip, and it's going to create a bend in your arm. And I've done that several times. And I always find someone somewhere that says, hey, I have a thumb issue. I can't actually have my thumb canted that far. And I'm like, okay, so I learned something there. So, uh, you know, truly that, I mean, that's really what sets us apart is just our professionalism and then our experiences that we can bring to the table. Yeah, that's great. I like the adaptability part of it. Uh, canned, canned training is difficult because I don't feel like you get as much out of it you know, if you get just a little bit, you know, that 10 second one-on-one -on -one time to fix your thumb, for instance, or identify an issue that is super simple to overcome with a bit of focus. Yeah. And that just came with truly dealing with civilians because, you know, they have the mindset of asking why I come from a world that created can training, mm -hmm. <laughs> the military and law enforcement give you so much information to kick you out the door to go on and do your job. Well, some of these people, they're not going to go do that job, but they want to know how to do it specific to the T. So kind of have to adapt. And then the other one that we really enjoy is the props that we bring. So we're bringing the things that you'd see at PRS, things you'd see at an urban course. Those are all merged. You're crawling through tunnels. You're shooting through barricades. You're doing all those things that you normally wouldn't see in a course. We're bringing those in. It's a pistol. Uh, kind of like you'd see in most, most of the time in like competition world, mm -hmm. but I think they add a different level of stress and we really don't use the timer all that much, but that's another aspect. So really the props is kind of what sets us out. And then the, the experience from not just myself, but all the other instructors. Yeah. So two questions coming out of that one. Uh, do you have a set of standards that you look for before you hire an instructor? I guess, is there like a, hey, I need you to have combat experience with this type of certification or you need to be able to communicate in this way? Uh, realistically, I have to know you. <laughs> I, I, I went down that route of hiring someone that had some amazing creds. They were not a very good instructor. And it turned into like fanboying. A lot of the guys, you know, they were happy with it. I'm like, one, you show up late. And then two, you're really not given guys what they paid for, at least in my opinion. So I didn't know them as well as I thought I did. So, um, you know, everyone that's, you know, working with me now, I've known for, you know, 10, 10, 15 years. So proof of skill, proof of skill in a lot of ways is what I'm hearing. Uh, the next question. So the prop portion, I, I, I think props are fun, right? I've shot PRS for a while. I've done a couple other things, but I, I know the value of props is not necessarily to look cool. So can you talk through why it is that you're bringing props in? So it, it adds another level of stress. It's an obstacle and an obstacle 
You can either go through it, you can go around it. So going, going through the obstacle makes you challenge yourself, push yourself, and just ideas that you probably would never thought of until you've been put in that situation. The tunnels, lifting weights, going uphill and shooting down. Things standard on a square range, you're just not doing. So we try and tailor a square range and kind of configure it so that it doesn't feel so boxy, if you will. Yeah. Do you offer levels of stress, right? So you've got new shooter, just need to learn the fundamentals and how to handle firearm all the way up to crazy Spartan race with a rifle. Right. So we do have an intro pistol and that's a basic handgun for newer shooters because you can't be like too new, right? Because no one's new. So I had to change the name to newer shooters. So. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So when I said new shooters, no one wants to say that they were new. So you're newer to this. Okay. So the running joke we have, and I say this to students, like they'll sign up and they're like, well, I've shot before I go. Okay. How many times do you think you shot? Seven times. I'm like, if you can remember how many times <laughs> I am gone, you are a new shooter. I'm sorry. So yeah, we have that course and then level one, two, and then we have a three. And then, you know, our, our rough terrain, all those vary as well. That's cool. The rough terrain sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, just thinking for myself, it just sounds like a blast running and gunning and having fun and learning how to be <laughs> on target. Right. You know, um, you know, just running up a hill. I mean, say 25 yards up a hill with gear on, you know how your heart rate goes through the roof just on that. So I, I strategically pick ranges where I'm able to do a little bit more and it's not so confined and restricted. Yeah, <clears throat> that's cool. I, uh, I've done, you know, some PRS stuff and it's really funny because like that rifle weighs 20, 22 pounds with the scope on it. And so humping that from, you know, one spot to another on time, you're like, fuck, like <laughs> and trying to pop off like an 800 yard shot. You're like, man, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm tired. I'm out of shape. So I right. feel like since you've come out of the can training that your shooting has improved at all. Oh, absolutely. That by doing competition, competition truly changed how I operate 100%. What I thought I knew was a quarter of the knowledge that I've gained over the last seven years of shooting competition. And I'm so glad I went down that road. It's helped me develop my course outlines and then also giving information to people that I would have never, I would have never known how to do a certain thing because I never did competition. Yeah. So do you encourage folks to get out and compete as much as they can? Oh, absolutely. As soon as, as soon as you are able to understand the fundamentals of marksmanship and have, you know, obviously possess a solid mind on, on safety, you know, work on your manipulations. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just really, people are just doing it because they're scared and it's just scared of the unknown. They don't want to look like a jackass in front of people, but you know what, if you find the right squad, there's mentors out there and they will help you. No one wants you to look like a jackass, believe it or not. There's people I've shot different disciplines and people want you to succeed. I had a good mentor, David N. Uh, he works at, he's the owner of Echo One Airsoft. He was my mentor. He's mentored me and dozens others. And now some of those guys are masters and grandmasters. So it's pretty awesome to have someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. You know, 
if you, especially as a newer shooter, right. Coming out with the air of humility and, and honestly owning up to it, right. Coming out and saying, I've never done this before. Help me out. And, and I don't think I've ever been in a squad where people are like, you know, I don't want to be there with you. Right. Everybody wants you to be safe, have fun and learn. I don't think that there's been a match in any discipline that I've gone to. Right. And walked away, not having learned something new or have found new friends. In a lot of the communities that I shot in, mostly PRS, right? I look forward to seeing because they've become friends, right? That you're like, oh, I look forward to hanging out with them and they're they're good company. So going out with that air of humility goes a long ways. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I encourage anyone. I mean, you can go on a practice score and find ranges and competitions all over your area. You just type in your zip code and it'll all be there. It's just you having... The, the tenacity to say, hey, I'm okay to fail. It's okay because I'm going to try how to do this. Yep, yep. And honestly, even if you hit one target, you feel like you win on your first match. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the simple things in life. Right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, competition is a whole nother level. Um, my first competition I did, which sounds crazy, my first competition was Top Sniper in uh, the international sniper competition. So first time I'd ever shot competition and we only had four days to truly train for competition. I had just come back from Iraq. They said, hey, the opportunity's there. It was really cool. Some scout snipers down at uh, the instructors at the schoolhouse at Camp Pendleton took us under their wing and started showing my partner and I how competitions work. So again, you say, you know, you hit one target, you're happy. Uh, you know, after four days competing against all the top military snipers in the world, we were pretty happy. We came in ninth out yeah. of 27 teams and we only had four. So like, yeah, I didn't win the competition, my partner and I, but like, oh, that's a win. Ninth place out of 27 teams or actually 31 teams, 31 teams from across the world. And we were pretty happy with that. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. the, the top sniper, that's not, that's not, and I don't know, but is that similar to what PRS is? Because I, isn't top sniper, you've got stalking, Kim's, a lot of the other more tactical yeah. stuff. More of a, a tactical observation shooting portion. So yeah, there was land navigation, uh, observations, aerial platform shooting. Yeah. There was some stalking as well. Live fire stocks. So Yeah. It, it's not quite like PRS, but uh, it was some pretty awesome uh, skills that I had learned that I had never done before. And I'm like, well, here you go. <laughs> That's cool. I've heard uh, there's one there's one match down in Texas that has bits and pieces of that that I would love to go do. I think it it includes some stalking, some of the more tactical stuff, unknown distance and movers. And I've wanted to do that for a while. And it was supposed to be in utah two years ago and i was all set to go to it and they moved it to like southern texas and i was like that's that's too far for me to get out there right there's a whole slew of things that don't even require you to shoot being a sniper so yeah those those competitions are really good because it kind of takes a little bit of the physical aspect and kind of challenges you in uh, some of the mental aspects as far as like stalking which truly is a is a game and it takes a lot of patience. Right. I've come to learn, right, that just because you're a sniper does not necessarily mean you are the best possible shot in the world. Because 
all of you have so many other skills, right? Your time is not 100% behind the gun, right? You've got observation, you've got the stalking, there's a thousand other things that you guys are masters at, not just pulling the trigger. Yeah, absolutely. The mission planning, that's huge, especially as a team leader, the communications, team leader dealing with personnel, the uh, indirect fire, making liaison with your forward units, navigation, camouflage, hide construction, insertion, extraction, medical. Yeah, so the list goes on and on. So it's just for anyone that's actually thinking about it when they go into the military, just understand it's going to be about 15%, I would say. 15% is going to be of you shooting. The rest is going to be about you controlling your team and getting them to where they need to be, reporting information so that other missions, other teams or units can go through the area that you just you just cleared for them. So it's a, it's a huge uh, force multiplier for infantry units. Yeah. So you are there for support. And that's what people need to really get in their mind. It's not like the books you read of Carlos Hathcock going out on their own. Those days are long gone. It's just not only is it just not practical, it's just not safe. And, you know, we thought we could do it in OIF-1, Operation Iraqi Freedom. We tried to go out in two-man teams and you're like, holy shit. (laughs) So not a good idea. So we realized that real quick. And I want to (laughs) say we realized it after like about a month. (laughs) This is not the quick learning curve on that one. Yeah. That's fair. Well, I got a massive respect for you guys. I mean, I've, I've spoken to, you know, a couple of scout snipers throughout the years, you know, kind of just shooting and talking with you guys, learning about what you do. I'm like, that's nuts. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was a good time. I'm glad I could do it. That's awesome. I love it, man. And you're based out of California. Where at in California? Uh, so Los Angeles, we're all over, all over Southern California. If you have a range, we will go to it. So uh, so if you have a range, we'll, we will roll to you. So within any range, it, yeah, any range, uh, I have contracts in, uh, Casa Grande. I go out there to Arizona and then, uh, ranges all over Southern California. We would like to get to, uh, central and Northern California and then potentially, um, working on some stuff in uh, Las Vegas as well. Very cool. And, uh, best way for folks to get a hold of you, if they got questions, Instagram, email, Instagram, uh, Sierra underscore element underscore official. I know it's a long one. And then uh, my email is vlopez at sierraelement.com. Website, uh, sierraelement.com. Vic, man, it was great chatting with you. I appreciate your time and experience. Thank you, too, for the service, both in military and law enforcement. For those of you looking to get into shooting uh, or hone your skills in the obstacles and dynamic training, uh, please take a look at Sierra Element. Both website and Instagram is linked in the episode description. The Vanguard Shopped is linked in the episode description as well. Please like, subscribe, share, get some stuff. Help me purchase a new laptop so I can give my wife's back. Uh, Otherwise, you all have a kick-ass week, and we'll catch you next time. (laughs) 